Well, I would start with finding people in the community. I know that people often say it, but it's crucial to involve all stakeholders. Hearing from your students, what do our students need? What do our parents feel like they need? And working with those community leaders that know our, those specific communities we are trying to help to gather information on what we need and what they feel is lacking. Welcome to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores the world of English language learners and how we can make a greater impact. Each episode, we bring you voices from across the ELL community to discuss the issues that matter most. Highest Aspirations is brought to you by Elevation Education, your partner for ELL program management and instruction. Hey everybody, welcome back to Highest Aspirations. I'm your host, Steve Sofronis. How has Lincoln High School in Nebraska designed and implemented systems to foster welcoming environments for students that collectively speak over 30 different languages? What might schools do to ensure that all students, including ELLs and newcomers, have access to a wide variety of higher level courses? How can homegrown cultural liaisons help promote family and community engagement while also enhancing the teacher candidate pipeline? We discuss these questions and much more with Maida Mendez Rodriguez, an instructional coordinator at Lincoln High School in Lincoln, Nebraska. As an instructional coordinator, Maida is an appraiser for teachers, test coordinator, and also coordinates parent engagement events. Another important part of her role includes student discipline for ELL students. To meet the needs of this diverse population of students, she works closely with the ELL team made up of a counselor, advocate, bilingual liaisons, teachers, and other district staff. As part of her parent engagement role, she and her colleagues have collaborated with liaisons to host informational family nights in the native languages of the parents and guardians of LHS students. Prior to becoming an instructional coordinator, Maida taught Spanish and ELL classes to middle and high school students. Let's get started. Hello, Maida. Welcome to Highest Aspirations. Thank you, Steve, for the opportunity. I'm really excited to share what we're doing here at Lincoln High. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Um, you know, we, we had been in contact way back in, I think, June. We're sitting here on November 1st. I read an article about the school um, and we've been back and forth and it's, it's exciting to finally have the chance to talk. Yeah, again, I'm really excited as well. Great. So I want to start by referencing and quoting um, that article that I just mentioned in the Washington Post that featured your school um, and get your reaction to it. So there was a quote that said, at Lincoln High School in Nebraska, the slogan in the middle of everywhere is more than just a fun jab at teasing about being a flyover country. It actually reflects the life of the school, which lives those words every day through its vibrant immigrant student community hailing from seemingly everywhere around the globe. Is that an accurate description for you? Uh, definitely. Um, one of our, here at Lincoln High, we have four links. Instead of a mascot, we have four links. And one of those is diversity. Um, just the fact that you can walk into the school and just first step that you walk in here, you're going to see flags around the school that represent the different countries our students come from. Um, you'll see them in the hallway. It's fun to see a little bit of everywhere in the world here at Lincoln High. Yeah, and I love it when you mentioned that the first thing you see is those flags so immediately you're kind of in that world and living it. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and kids always ask about them too when they come in. I've given tours um, from aspiring future teachers that want to know what are the flags? Why do you have all these flags? And we talk about them representing every student or most of our students here at Lincoln High. That's great. So could you tell us briefly about your role at Lincoln High School as it relates to newcomer students and English language learners? Yes. Um, so I am an instructional coordinator, which is basically an administrator position um, here at Lincoln High. I when it comes to discipline or my caseload of students, it's all ELL students, level one through four, um, including newcomers. Um, so I work with them when it comes to discipline or helping them find supports that they need. Sometimes it's just they come in here and they say, hey, I have this teacher. Can you help me like talk to them? I'm shy about it. Um, just here to support the students, basically. But I also work with the ELL teachers. It's a um, the department I overlook and as long as the world language too. Um, so that's a little bit about what I do here. There's a lot of, I also do parent engagement, but it's kind of gist of it. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And we're going to talk about some of that family engagement stuff, um, a little bit later, but I think it's wonderful that you have that role of just, and not just like we say, just, but supporting these students, um, is huge with the issues that they have and perhaps being a liaison uh, with other teachers and then supporting those ELL teachers as well. Yeah. Um, so, so Lincoln, Lincoln High School serves students who collectively speak over 30 different languages. H how have you gone about creating support systems to work with all these students? So, um, here at Lincoln High, um, we have liaisons that help us communicate with families. Um, and these liaisons don't just help with students that are in ELL classes. Sometimes they've exited or they've been here their whole entire life, but parents didn't attend a school here in the US. So just helping them understand the different culture in the, our school system compared to back home. Um, that's one of the ways that we help support students. Um, we also have um, specific, like a four year plan for students that come to our school as knowing no English to hopefully get them to graduate within four years sometimes it takes a little bit longer and sometimes the four years is enough so let's let's actually talk a little bit about those liaisons that you mentioned i think that's really interesting um and i'm going to have you kind of talk a little bit more about them but as i understand it these liaisons are also cultural ambassadors um and i know that they're an important part of the work that you do not only with language support but also with cultural responsiveness so what are, who, first of all, who are these people and what are the main responsibilities of, of th this role? So our liaisons, um, some people, we like to say they're not just interpreters. People say like, I need to call the interpreter to communicate with this family, but they're not just interpreters. Um, we like to call them liaisons because they help us, oh yes, overcome that language barrier, but also um, helping our families understand the different systems in our school. Um, they also just help us plan activities throughout the year. They're always there at parent-teacher conferences to help assist with that. Um, so one of their biggest um, responsibilities is to help break that language barrier, but also just any cultural piece that um, we need to help parents understand, but also that we, the staff at, here at Lincoln High and all across the district, don't know or want to know more about, we can always reach out to our liaisons and say, talk to me about this issue. Like, 
why is this a big deal? Um, and just kind of help. They are like the middle person. They help communicate both with parents and us, our staff. Yeah, so it sounds like you're leveraging um, the, the talent and knowledge, so to speak, of the people who are in your community to address those questions that, I mean, it's always the case, right, that you have a whole, say you have 100 teachers. I mean, not every teacher is going to know everything about every, every culture um, and ever, certainly not every language. So having these folks um, must be really useful to those teachers if they know that they have them around um, and they're already in the communities. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So our liaisons um, are not just someone that grew up in the U.S. and learned the language to help translation. Our liaisons are um, our parents, are people that came here and finished their undergrad, um, came here as refugees. Just basically, they are our a representative of our students, um, their life. So they are very well known within the community and that also helps because parents will easily reach out to them. Like when I have a parent come in here, like the first thing they mention is I called so-and-so to help me with this and they know all about them or they have them on their, like the first person on their cell phone that they call whenever they have a question on, about school. Um, you can see them, they know what events are going on. They know what's going on within each community. Um, so we just have um, basically our liaisons that represent the different culture, cultures that we have here within our student population. Sure. I mean, it sounds like this, is, this has been a really successful kind of homegrown model. Um, how have you been able to find these liaisons and get them up to speed? Like, is there a way that you um, find them? Are they excited to join? And, and then once they do... You know, what do you do to kind of get them up to speed? Are they well prepared to do it and excited? Or is there something that you have to kind of do to get them ready? Well, they are hired by the district. So we don't um, do any of that recruitment. But I know that just based on who is hired, sometimes those people will say, well, I also have this other friend whose um, English is proficient and they sure. are liked within the community. So I, I'm not 100% sure on that process, um, how we get them on board. I just, I know it started a long time ago and now we have a lot more liaisons that help us um, here within the district. Yeah. I mean, and it sounds like, and you know, I I don't certainly don't want to speak for the district, but this homegrown model and having people from the community who are doing this work must instill a whole lot of pride into not only um, what they're doing and their own sort of ability to affect change and to be a part of the school community, um, but also, you know, you mentioned at the beginning that there are flags everywhere representing all these countries. You also have members of the community who represent these flags and who are, uh, uh, it sounds like uh, an integral part of what you're doing there. Yes. Um, and like, just to add a little bit more, what's really exciting about our liaisons is a lot of our liaisons have um, achieved different positions within the district. And like being a liaison is the first step kind of thing. Like currently one of our ELL teachers here at Lincoln High started as a liaison, went to school, got their teaching certificate, and are now teaching ELL in the classroom. I know of another one who also started as a liaison and then um, now is is a principal at one of our middle schools. So it's really cool to have, like not just, they come from our community, but also see them grow as a, as a professional and helping with our students population. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's a win-win. Like, I mean, it's a win for them, but it's also, frankly, a win for the district. I can't think of, I can't think of a better way to hire somebody who you know is going to be a culture fit, so to speak, in the district than by having them do such important work, and then you know, seeing them kind of go through what it takes to get certified or whatever you need to do to become a teacher. Those people are vetted; they're well known to to both the school community and to the outside community. And so you have this great sort of re recruiting funnel and you have these people, um, I think sort of, a, a, not sort of, they're achieving um, and doing amazing things. That, that's, that's really great and something I think for listeners to think about when they think about um, community engagement, family engagement, um, the idea, I like how you mentioned the idea that these people are not just interpreters, they are liaisons. Um, and how you can actually build a, a, a pipeline of um, passionate, um, effective uh, teachers and staff for your school. Yeah, and we also um, have had students that graduated from Lincoln High and other high schools here in the district that have become liaisons. Um, so that's also really cool to see them come back for our parent-teacher conferences and help families interpret. And again, they're also uh, students that were well-known and role models for other students. So it's great to just use those resources that are already here within our community and help grow them. Yeah, you know, and I talk to so many people on this podcast and in other um, venues, and, and I, I feel like people talk about the, the schools that are successful are leveraging this in a very, or the school districts that are, that are successful um, with English language learners are, are leveraging this resource, this precious resource that we have, and others um, that really haven't delved into this work too deeply find themselves floundering a little bit with the whole idea of cultural responsiveness and find themselves a little bit overwhelmed um, uh, instead of uh, excited and energized by the idea that they have all these different languages and all these different cultures represented. So I, I think you're doing great work. It's a key part of, of uh, building a school community. Thank you. So we, we, we've kind of um, talked a little bit indirectly about, uh, about the work that you're doing with, with parent or family engagement. I want to get a little bit more into that because that's a, that's a huge topic. I was just um, at, uh, at a conference um, in Detroit, the WIDA conference, and boy, there was so much talk. I was, I was really excited to hear so much talk about um, family engagement and community engagement. So I know that, um, that at Lincoln, there are opportunities for families to attend sessions about college. Um, there's even one called High School 101. Um, could you talk to us about, about how you got these programs off the ground and, and maybe what you've learned um, from them, just to give people an idea of not only what it is you're doing, but how they've evolved and what you've learned, what lessons you can kind of give to others? Yeah, um, so this started last year. Um, I know that in the past, we've tried to hold sessions where um, we do it for specific languages. So last year, what we decided was to really focus on that because we have nights throughout the year where it's like financial aid night or college nights, um, but we didn't have a lot of attendance from our minority groups and specifically our Arabic, Karen, and Spanish speaking families were not always showing up to these events. So um, we decided to work with our liaisons and kind of hear from them what they thought would help. So we just, the planning part of it is sitting down with each one of our liaisons um, for about 20-ish minutes and talking about what night they think is they'll have more attendance, what time. Um, so we try to just work with them since they know the community, they know where the majority of them work or what their work schedules are like. So we started off last year with hosting one night um, where we just did 
high school 101. Our liaisons kept saying like college is a little too much right now. They don't uh -huh. understand um, just even what it means to get to college. So we need to start from the very beginning, which what are our high school requirements for graduation? What do classes look like? What are credits? What's a GPA? Just that basic information. Um, and we did that in one session with the translation back and forth for, because um, our, our counselors help with this event. And so you'll have the counselor explain it in English and then the, the liaison will help translate. And then at the end we have kind of like a Q and A. Um, so that's what we did last year. And this year we, we just had one, um, our Karen night, which was a couple weeks ago. And we did it on a, Four o'clock just works great for that family. And we had 18 families show up out of 127, which we think is a good number. Yeah. Uh, and so what we learned from that one just recently was at the end, a lot of the questions were just parents wanted to know what are resources after school, like tutoring, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And so we actually have an after school resource center um, where students can get assigned to it or they can just walk in and help get help from a teacher, specific dates and times. So like we printed out a bunch of copies of those and, and parents were just thankful that that actually already existed. Um, so just they they just want to know what is available and how they can get the help too. We had a lot of parents just ask about our attendance policy as well. Um, and that just kind of really shows um, that they, we need to start from the basics. Like we can't go at them. This is, this is differences in colleges. These are what you need, or this is a scholarships grants that you need to apply for. It's like just too much at the time. So then we decided to organize it this semester where first semester is just high school requirement information. Next semester, we're gonna do the session on college and financial aid night. And then um, one thing we're trying new this year is adding a morning session um, because we've done them in the afternoons every time in the evenings. And just from hearing back from the liaisons, it sounds like some parents would benefit from just dropping off their kids at school and then coming up to a meeting at like 8.30 in the morning because they're already awake and then they'll go home and then they'll sleep because they work nighttime. Um, so that's one thing we're going to try. We haven't had a morning session yet, so hopefully those have great attendance as well. Yeah, I mean, this is great. I mean, it sounds like I'll, I'll take a few things out of there. Um, number one, I love the idea that you're talking to the liaisons who are also members of the community who can give you a real pulse um, or a real feel uh, about what these uh, you know, future possible participants are thinking. And as you were speaking, I was kind of thinking to myself, and, and, and feel free to chime in here and correct me if I'm wrong, but oftentimes, you know, you have to kind of figure out what these um, people don't want or don't need as opposed to what they do need. Like at a specific point in time, like these people are, are not, like you mentioned, they don't want to know about um, colleges just yet because they don't even really understand how the system works, the, the, the actual high school. They don't know what's available to them. And I know as a high school teacher myself, like I, I look back and I taught for a long time in two very different communities. One community that was um, probably a similar demographic to Lincoln, although admittedly not as diverse. And then another um, another district that was really uh, not diverse at all. And in, in both those places, I, I found myself making assumptions about what parents knew 
Um, and, and as a parent myself now, like I realize that, you know, the, the sort of family engagement that we all think of, like sending a newsletter home or having a session on college, um, isn't really the most effective way to do it. So it's, it, I love the fact that you're kind of taking a design-based approach to almost, thinking about, all right, what is it that, that these folks need or what is it that they don't need? Trying a few things, trying a few times, taking the data, right, and saying, all right, we had 18 families out of, I think, 120-something show up. What if we try it in the morning? So I think there's a lot to take out of that um, in terms of how to go about setting these up. Yeah. There definitely is, because um, we did try it at the beginning. That's what we said, let's do a college night. Um, and it was just, it was a lot. It was a long session, like, quest. there was a lot of questions. Um, I mean, it lasted two hours, and it was kind of like, whoa, like, this is a lot of information. How, where do we go from here? And so that's why we decided to break it down to just those basics. Um, even just the basic, like, one thing that we realized is we need a get better at making sure our parents bring their students with them. Yeah. Oftentimes we talk about like our software that we use to check their grades, their attendance. We also talk about that at this session, like how do you create a login? How do you download the app? Um, that kind of stuff. So we're showing them these screenshots of what that looks like. But then we said, why don't we have the students here next to them opening up their mm -hmm. Chromebook? We, we're one-to-one -one school. So opening up their Chromebook, showing them what that looks like so they know and it's not just a bunch of pictures. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and again, like, I, like I, I look at myself as an example, and I didn't realize this before I had children of my own, but like I, I consider myself pretty tech savvy. I was I was kind of a quasi tech integrator as well as a Spanish teacher in high school. I was using all of these tech tools, um, and now like my kids come home and they're doing these things, and I honestly like it's hard for me to keep up with everything. And I'm someone who's who I work in educational technology now. I was a teacher using technology, so I think frequently like I'm I'm very empathetic toward people who are just coming here, learning about the system, learning about the community. And then all of a sudden they, they're faced with, oh, this is our you know, student information system where we house all the data. Well, that's hard to understand. Yeah, and even for our students that are so young and can easily, and are on their phone all the time, even just that explaining to them that they have this access to this app that they can get to and check their grades or even getting them to understand, like yep. try to check your grades every so often or just, it, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean that's a whole other podcast episode on the idea that you know students are we consider these these kids digital natives, right? And so of course they know how to use technology. Well, yeah, they know how to use social media and play games and do other things that are interesting to them, but they don't all necessarily know how to use you know software designed to track grades and attendance and things like that, right? So we have a responsibility to teach them and their parents um, or their families how to uh, how to best best implement them, which is a challenging thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like just even yesterday, we had a family come in for a meeting and we helped them set up their um, account and they came with an older sister that was helping with the, the translation. Um, and she was like, well, can I just have it on my app and show them because they don't know how to use the phone in this way, which is it's just it's, it's a huge gap even just between our parents and our students, too. Yeah, of course. Well, we've talked a lot about family engagement. We've talked about the liaisons. Um, and I want to shift over a little bit to, um, to some of the academics and, and curriculum because there are a couple of things that I read and you and I uh, talked about a few months back now about how your, um, 
you're kind of tracking students and what you're doing with with um, with the the curriculum. So my first question there is about um, I know you have a system where where and you and I talked about it where you stack courses so students in various ranges within the same level can move from one teacher to another when appropriate. Mm-hmm. You're going to do a lot better of a job to describing that than I am. So could you just describe how that system works? Because I think it's really unique and I think it's beneficial to think about scheduling um, as, as other, as people are listening in. Yeah. So um, within our reading classes, our literature classes in the different levels, um, we try to stack those. So meaning like we offer two different sections um, of the level two literature class, just so that teachers, once they get to know the students and they realize where they are in level, they can kind of shift them through classes throughout the semester without messing up the rest of their schedule and just try to base them like where we put our lower level twos in one class and our higher level twos in the other section. Um, So that's kind of what we're doing with the stacking and, and they do move throughout the semester teachers are really good at like looking at those students before classes start. So we don't have to change everybody's schedule either. Um, So that's kind of what we're doing right now with our reading um, classes. We did like a little pilot of it last semester where two teachers had the same um, literature class at the same time. It was a level one and they were teaching door to door. Um, So then they just decided they're like, Hey, let's move these kids in here. And what was cool is there's a door that connected the classroom. So they just had that open. And as they were doing different activities or doing the reading groups based on level ability, um, they would just walk across the classrooms and go to the other station. And that was great. So that's another thing that we considered when making the schedule is like, can we put these classes next door to each other so that if we need to do some co-teaching, it can happen and it's easy. Yeah, it doesn't mean you've just added another layer of personalization, you know, uh, differentiated instruction and flexibility, really, uh, to to make scheduling changes, which we all know as educators, especially in high school, is a nightmare at the beginning <laughs> of the year as students shift around. Yeah, no, it, it it is. And even just, I mean, our ELO world is always changing when it comes to like who we're coming, who's arriving, what kind of levels. Like right now we're overflowing in level two. Um, and our level one is actually one of our smallest sections right now. So even just like at, at quarter, we close some sections and open up some more to try to keep those, um, some more level two classes to try to keep those even within numbers um, so that we're getting our classes. We try to keep them between 10 to 15 is the goal, but sometimes there are a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, students. I mean, we have some classes of 18 for those literature classes, but we try to keep those also small so that teachers can come around to each student and offer that one-on-one time. Great. Talk to us about that, uh, the effort that you've made to kind of detract or detract, I'm sorry, the curriculum to create opportunities for all students, even those who might, may have been marginalized so they can participate in higher level courses. I'm curious as to how you've gone about supporting students with language barriers in these higher level courses? Yeah, so um, a few years ago, we started looking at our curriculum. We had a lot of students that were stuck at levels and staying there for a while and then in turn aging out and not being able to receive their diploma, unfortunately. 
Um, so what we decided to do is we added some courses just beginning in level one where they are getting graduation credit. So we started a health class. So health is a requirement um, for graduation. So what we did is we're teaching a level one health class. So they, they get the objectives, they get the same type of material that they would get in a regular health class but it's broken down with a lot of different strategies and um, accommodations for our ELO students where we um, use vocabulary, um, different strategies that are just gonna be more comprehensive for our students. So that's one thing that we're doing within our ELO um, curriculum. But right now, another thing that we're trying to do more and more of is working with our ELO district coach and other curriculum specialists to help support our general ed teachers that are get, seeing more of our ELL students yeah. in classes. So now what we're doing is we're pushing level threes. It used to be that they really didn't get into those science or harder math classes until they were almost out of ELL. And so now we're, we're making sure that students at level three are getting some sort of science class. Mm -hmm. um, and so just working with the di different departments, the science department, um, we have an ELL interventionist. So she pulls students from classes to work on reading skills, writing skills, whatever it is they lack their uh, skill of. But she also goes into our math classes and our science classes and helps support those teachers um, with just coming up with different strategies for test taking, for vocabulary teaching. Um, we also offer uh, professional development um, workshops throughout the year that teachers can attend um, where we just share some different resources. Our ELO instruction or district coach comes to those and helps lead those so that teachers feel like they're, one, they're knowing, they know our coach, they get to see who she is and they feel more comfortable reaching out to her. Mm -hmm come watch them in class or help with that. So it's a little bit of what we're doing right now. Yeah, that's crucial. Uh, and, and uh, you know, sort of central to a lot of the work that we're doing here at Elevation. I mean, the idea of, of uh, empowering um, classroom teachers, content teachers to be able to work with these students who may not have necessarily been trained properly or trained at all to work with English language learners you know, and, and to really make true the idea and the philosophy that we're all teachers of language as well as teachers of content. I imagine in a school like yours, um, teachers must, and, and I'd love your, your, your responses, teachers must sort of um, know that they're going to be most likely working with students like these. Do, do some of them actually come to the school, uh, specifically even content teachers, to kind of work with this these diverse groups of students? Or do you find that they come in sort of like any other teacher with kind of a wide variety of skill sets when it comes to working with English language learners? Um, I think it just, we always say that people that come to teach at Lincoln High are here because they want to teach at Lincoln High. They know what, the, what our population is like. Um, they know kind of what to expect. I think more and more teachers are getting more ELL students in classes earlier than they thought. And so they are coming to us too and telling us, this is what we need. This is where we um, feel like we still need some support. So it, I think, and I always hear like my teachers that I just talked to in the hallway, they always talk about how, how great our ELL students and how are, are and how eager they are to learn the language and just yeah. 
graduate. So I know that our teachers enjoy our ELL students a lot, but they also sometimes have mentioned like, I'm not sure how to help them when it comes to this specific skill or like when, when it comes to even just instructions sometimes the way we're, we word them so remembering mm-hmm. like we still even need to remember that basic like how do we explain an activity that or, or um, objective or what they're going to be doing um, so yeah it's I, teachers expect these students to be ELL students to be in their classes it's just it's becoming more and more yeah but the, the fact or not but and the fact that they're comfortable you know, saying, look, I, I'm, I'm there. This is something that, that maybe I'm having a hard time with. Could you come help me? Um, that that's a culture that needs to be built. And I think that that's, that's really important for content teachers to know that they have that support number one. And number two, to not only know they have it, but actually to, to, uh, to use it. So that communication is key. And it sounds like, um, you're doing a great job there. So, uh, the, one of the last things I want to talk about is, um, and I read about this in the article as well, Lincoln High is, is, is a part of the Schools of Opportunity Project. Um, and uh, folks can learn about that uh, sort of on their own. I'll, I'll link to it at the end. But ha- I'm just curious how that partnership um, has helped you with the work you're doing. Um, well, one, it has kind of reaffirmed what we're doing. Um, it's just, it's great to be acknowledged for things that we are working on and feel like we're doing something right um so it was it was a nice surprise it was a nice encouragement for all our teachers we're really proud i mean i don't want to brag but we got the gold (laughs) the the gold school of opportunity um award so it was it was great um we so it just we received it i think it was around april or may when it was announced i can't remember exactly when it was but it's just it's that reaffirmation that we are doing something right and kind of just pushed us to keep going further. Like what's next yeah. from here. It's, it's great. And that recognition is key. And you just kind of exemplified the kind of classic, um, humble educator where you said you don't want to brag. Well, I mean, I'll brag for you. It's a big deal and it's great. And frankly, it's one of the reasons that, that I was able to find you and, and that hopefully that this episode and the other acknowledgement that you've received in the press will help others, um, you know, to, to, to do what you're doing, which kind of leads me to my, to one of my last questions, which is, I can imagine that there's people listening to this, uh, right now who are thinking, well, this is great. I wish my school was like that. Um, what, what like little steps, um, would you advise that educators like you take, um, to kind of start the process of creating the kind of learning environment you have, um, in Lincoln? Um, well, I would start with finding people in the community. I know that people often say it, but it's crucial to involve all stakeholders. Hearing from your students, what do our students need? What do our parents feel like they need? And working with those community um, leaders that know our, those specific communities we are trying to help to gather information on what we need and what they feel is lacking also including our ELL teachers and our general ed teachers in those conversations. So um, here at the district, we have an ELL steering committee, um, which this is my first year being a part of it, but they just use, they include different teachers throughout the district, administrators, some of our liaisons are a part of it, um, our federal programs coordinator is a part of it. So director, she basically sets up these 
once a quarter meetings, we talk about what teachers are saying, what students are saying, and where are we going next? Like what's still an area that we need to improve on? And one of those topics in our last one was that science, helping our science teachers that we're seeing more and more students in there and we need to come up with ways to help them. So just starting with a, com a committee, like figuring it out, what is it that we need and it's gonna have the most impact right now. Sure. So in some ways we're right back to where we started, just leveraging the people that you have in your school and your community to come together, figure out what, not only what you're doing well and, and, and give yourself uh, well-deserved congratulations, but figure out, figuring out what's next, where are the problems, where are the challenges and what sort of in-house and in community, I guess for lack of a better term, resources you can use to, to solve these problems. So I think it's great. And I think it's, it's crucial. Um, the idea of community and the more people I speak with, um, the more people mention that. So that's wonderful advice. And we'll close by uh, asking you the same question that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast, which is, um, is there a book or, or other resource that, that has inspired you either personally or professionally, either one that you would recommend, uh, that listeners read? Um, right now there, I, I can't think of a book that I've read lately, but, um, so w one of our greatest resource here in, um, LPS is our, well, our Nebraska Department of Education. They have a website that we refer to a lot um, with our education, our English language learner programs um, with a lot of different resources on accommodations, um, what, how we can support our general ed teachers, how to best serve our English learners. Um, so if you would go to the website of the Nebraska Department of Education and just type English language learners, there's a ton of resources and we use a lot of this for our professional development. We pull from these resources that they share to try to plan our professional development around that. And then you also get to see a little bit about what's going on across the, the state. I think it's so great that you're pointing to uh, a state department of education and saying how great it is and saying that you actually use it for PD. Um, that, that is becoming more and more the case as I speak with people. And while a lot of people give us wonderful books, both professional and personal to share, I think it's a great reminder that you just gave us that there is information that's very easily accessible um, that is quite useful and, uh, and created and designed by people who um, who, who are, have their hearts in the right place for this work. So thank you so much for mentioning that. Yeah. And even just there, like, I want to point this out because this is a resource that we love. Um, within there, you can kind of see that we broke down the different um, levels of English language learners and what their abilities are at the moment. So like, you'll see kind of like a level one right now, what you should be able to expect them to do in a science class or a math class. So it's just, it's a lot of information um, and there's so much to navigate through. So just taking the time, like one tab at a time. Sure. Yeah. It can be overwhelming, but if you know what you're looking for, um, it's great to have it there. Well, Maida, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you finally after lots of planning and, um, and I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, of course. Thank you, Steve, for letting me share um, the work that we are doing here at Lincoln High. I'm really proud of this school and I'm glad to be a link. You should be. Congratulations on all your work and thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to Highest Aspirations. If you liked our show, please be sure to join the ELL community at elevationeducation.com slash ELL community, where you'll find all the episodes of Highest Aspirations and other resources to help educators maximize the impact on their English language learners. Also, let us know how we're doing by writing a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts.